0: The following podcast is a green, fresh media production.
1: We're young, we're female, and we didn't have extreme experience in the nonprofit world since we've never launched our own nonprofit in the past. So, really learning about all the aspects of the nonprofit world was a very scary and very confusing, but very, very fulfilling process. Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business
0: Casual. If you're new here, my name is Stacy, and I'm so excited to have you listening to our podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you to Anya and Shania who are joining me today on the episode. Hey guys, how are you?
1: Hi
2: everyone, my name is Shania
1: and this is Anya. Hello everyone, my name is Anya. I'm 17 years old and I'm the co-founder of the Canadian Courage Project. I'm so excited to have you both on the show today.
0: You are both sisters and co-founders of your own initiative, so it has a special place in my heart as obviously I am also a co-founder with my sister. She's unfortunately unable to be here on the recording with us, but she's listening as she's editing it, so shout out to her. Uh, I want to start by, I know you just introduced yourself quickly, but give me a quick introduction to the Canadian Courage Project, where you're both at in school, and um, yeah, just a little intro to you both.
2: I can start off my name is shania i'm 23. i am a first year phd student at mcmaster university in ontario and i also just recently published my first book it's not officially launched to the public yet so that's an inside scoop and um aside from the canadian courage project i have a wellness account and a TikTok and an instagram where i post research-based health tips uh, to just you know fill the gap in the market in regards to like female health and wellness Um, and the Canadian Courage Project we launched May of 2020 which is super exciting and Anya can give you just a little bit more information.
1: Hello everyone I'm Anya I'm 17 years old and I just started my senior year of high school Um, and my goal is to go into veterinary medicine. So as for a bit about the Canadian Courage Project is We really want to support youth that are facing structural vulnerabilities, so we do this through wellness departure kits and mindfulness workshops for when they transition out of the shelter system and into independent housing. So, since May of 2020, we have supported over 1,000 youth and their animal companion and have presented our workshop to over 74,000 youth across Ontario. Amazing.
0: I'm honestly speechless. That was such a great introduction. And it's so exciting to hear what you're both doing with the Canadian Courage Projects, as well as your studies. Um, that's very exciting that you're launching a book. So congratulations on that. And we'll definitely be able to repost that and share it with our listeners once it goes live. Um, I'm very excited about our conversation today to talk all things Canadian Courage Project. But before we get into that, to get to know you guys a little bit more, break the ice. I want to know if you hate Halloween or if you love it and what your reasoning is for why.
2: I think go first. I personally love Halloween. I just absolutely love anything festive. So every holiday, whether I like identify with it or not, I just love celebrating it and dressing up with my friends. I definitely am an extrovert in that sense that I just love Halloween parties. I have since I was little.
0: I, I feel you. I'm the same way. Love celebrating. Anya, yeah. how about yourself?
1: I definitely love Halloween as well. I am a junk food fanatic. So- Anything junk food related, sitting around with my friends, eating some chocolate, I am down for. That's so good to hear. Well, luckily, it's the Halloween and fall season, so
0: we're all in luck because that is coming up around the corner. Uh, but moving on a little bit away from like personal and fun... Talking more about the Canadian Courage Project, and I know you guys mentioned you started this during the pandemic in 2020, I want to hear more about the inspiration from it, was there a specific moment that you saw something in your community that you felt you wanted to change, or was it something that you've kind of been researching for a while leading up to it, can you kind of walk us through the process of how the idea came to be, and really
1: how it's grown since then? Yeah. So since I I was an adolescent, I volunteered at local animal shelters and um, there we were constantly faced with animals that were being surrendered. So from my time there, I saw that a portion of them were from those that didn't have the means to support them. So whether that be youth that are actually facing homelessness or facing poverty. So it was Christmas of 2019. I came home and I was telling my family about it. So we handmade these little wellness kits. So that went from personal hygiene items to essentials to survive the freezing Canadian winter. And we hand-delivered them on the streets of Toronto. So this experience was extremely eye-opening. We saw that youth homelessness in Canada, especially in the youth population with animals, was an extreme crisis. So it was May of 2020 when we wanted to expand our efforts, and that's when we officially launched the Canadian Courage Project.
2: Yeah, and I think for me... The education sector of the Canadian Courage Project was stemmed off of just kind of frustration growing up. Um, There is no, and at least when I was in high school and Anya is in high school, there is no course on the disparities that exist locally. So we hear about global issues on the news, but there is nothing in our formal curriculum that teaches us kind of like what water scarcity looks like in our neighborhood, what homelessness, what couch surfing is what it's like to understand climate change on a local and global level. Like those key core concepts that students are then graduating high school and then also graduating university, a little bit, I guess, for myself, ignorant to the idea of issues being in Canada um, is something that really was frustrating for myself and and all of our Canadian Courage Project members and team members. And so the education sector specifically supports that educational component in formal classrooms. And we're really like the Canadian Courage Project has two sectors. And so that's definitely where my passions lie and just honestly spreading awareness and just making young people feel like they can make a difference.
0: And to talk a little more about the workshops you guys host, is that where the educational aspect comes in, where you host these workshops um, and that's where students are able to learn more about it? Can you speak more about, you know, where is the are these workshops run through schools or how can people kind of attend these and learn more about um, your, your initiatives?
2: Yeah, so we have two types of workshops. The first sector is specifically for in-shelters and that's art and mindfulness and wellness workshops. And we're recently launching a mental health advocacy workshop. And then the second side of it is specifically educational workshops based on the sustainable development goals that are in classrooms in private or public schools within Ontario.
0: Very cool. And this is something that I mean, only since 2020 it's grown immensely and you guys have had such amazing success with it. Can you speak to any challenges you've had with this success and with this uh very fast growing team at the same time?
2: Yeah, I think I can start off and then Anya you can take it away for me personally. Uh like like the Canadian Courage Project what it is today is not what it what we envisioned a year ago. Like this set up the way we work the fact that we have almost 60 members on our team is like absolutely ridiculous in the, the most beautiful way possible but like I think for me a struggle is, has been just kind of like we are young and uh doing the things that we are doing it's really difficult sometimes especially to be a girl and to be young just inserting yourself in places where decisions need to be made can be very difficult and I think that's where we really do rely on like the education component of like making sure our our initiatives are research driven and making sure that we have key stakeholders that are on our side uh, but definitely like the age component has been a, a not a barrier necessarily but a hurdle we had to go over.
1: Yeah for sure Shania I think mine is very similar to yours especially starting out we're young, we're female, and we didn't have extreme experience in the nonprofit world since we've never launched our own nonprofit in the past. So, really, learning about all the aspects of the nonprofit world was a very scary and very confusing, but very, very fulfilling process. Because there's there were so many amazing mentors along the way that uh, helped coach us through it and sh- kind of showed us the ropes in that aspect. Um, but yeah, really, the doubt that we kind of saw with other community members and of course, the amazing ones as well. But of course, there were the few that kind of questioned, are you capable of this? And Shania and I really just had to hold our passion and say, we're passionate about it. So it will succeed and really holding that tight. I'm so glad you bring that up because it's something
0: that I think anyone faces, regardless of what you're doing in school, you're always facing that doubt and you're always in the back of your mind thinking, should I really be doing this? Maybe I can wait. Or it's something that really holds a lot of students back. And, you know, on another episode that we recently posted, we chatted with another local student who's doing amazing work in AI research and she had a very similar story. So I think it really is a testament as well to the fact that the society we live in doesn't always foster the best environment to really encourage us to start such initiatives. So I'm really glad that you're both here sharing your stories and hearing about the immense success that you've had. My next question I wanted to ask is you mentioned that you now have a team of over 60 people, if I'm not mistaken. When did you know that we need to really grow this? What was that process like? And I also am curious to know, obviously, when you start something, it's your initiative. It's something that's really close to your heart. So sometimes... Letting other people take initiative and really be part of it is sometimes scary because it's your vision. So I also would love to hear your insights and how you navigated that.
2: Yeah, I think for myself, I've always had, I've had experience, I've had quite a bit of experience leading teams. And I personally love that component of like working in groups. I think it makes tasks more enjoyable. And so I think from the get-go, we knew that the scale in which we wanted to grow the Canadian Courage Project while still staying in school and continuing all of our other endeavors. We needed extra hands on deck, and it kind of worked in the sense of, like, people approached us to volunteer before we asked individuals, and it kind of just worked all at the same time, word of mouth, community, and just, like, as we scaled the Canadian Courage Project, we have just, I guess, touched the hearts of very many young people that want to join us and have similar interests and have similar mindsets and want to work towards a bigger picture. And I think it's like the one of the most rewarding things is growing a team that you can call everyone your friend, like having genuine relationships with people and human connection is so important to building a a company essentially. And I think that's one of like, the most beautiful things from the Canadian Courage Project.
0: And do you have plans eventually to grow the Canadian Courage Project outside of Canada and take it more on a international or global scale? Is that something you guys have thought of?
2: I think in an ideal world, it's Canada-wide. I think the Canadian Courage Project will have different iterations of what it is today over our life courses. And I think, for example, when I am a prof full time, maybe I'm going to specifically lead the education sector and scale that versus when Anya is a vet, maybe she's going to scale like specifically shelter support with animals in shelters. And like, I think this is something we want over the course of our lifetime. And it's just kind of going with the flow, but also having goals in mind, which is like a weird thing to have at the same
0: time. It makes sense. It's hard to plan, especially right now. It's very in the moment. It's really hard to know what's happening. I think it's another struggle we face as students. Everyone's always asking for what your three to five year plan is. And sometimes, you know, you just got to focus on what's in front of you right now. And eventually, when the time comes, a lot of pieces fall into place, um, as you already mentioned. Exactly. And now on that topic of education, so you're a PhD student and your sister's only a high school student still. So you have a lot of other things on your plates and I'm sure you're involved in other aspects as well. So do you have any tips for balancing everything and really setting priorities and setting deadlines and boundaries for yourselves?
2: Yeah, uh, for myself, I think think of balance. This is such a hard question and I hear it a lot because I think because I have a lot of my life online. Um, people get a glimpse into it where they like have this question and my answer is always the same. And this is my answer. Think of it as running a five kilometer race. So the first day that you try to run 5k, it is so hard. Like it is so difficult. You cannot make 5k under 30 minutes. And it's the same thing with work ethic and like workload. So Think of it as progressive overload. As you practice this 5K, as weeks and weeks go on, by the four-week mark, it's going to feel so easy. You're going to feel like you know how to do it, and it's fine. And that's what I think of balance, and that's what I conceptualize as, like, being productive or getting your, your stuff done on time with ease, is preparing yourself and progressively overloading your timeline in a sustainable way that makes it manageable. So at the point that I am at, I've been running 5k for 5 years. Like the workload that I have now has always been my workload. I just changed the variables within that sort of like pie, but the pie stays the same. And so I think in terms of balance and like productivity and organization, you have to find what works for you. But again, it goes back to like listen to people who you admire or who are in a place that you hope to be in. So my tips for productivity might be very different than someone who wants to go into like aesthetics and go to aesthetician school. Like their workload is very different. Um, so I think it just, it depends on the person. But for me, I really like time blocking my day. And I really like scheduling, like blocking off times and trying to remain focused on whatever that task is that's like scheduled in my calendar. And I love my Google calendar and I love handwriting. Those are my two things. How
1: about you, Anya? Well, yeah, I love that. Um, I think for me, something at the beginning, and I hear a lot of people say that they don't have time for this and they don't have time to start a new business. They don't have time to start a new venture. But I believe that if you allocate your time and you really designated certain time to work on your venture, it can really succeed. So, for example, saying, okay, 6 to 7 p.m. every single day, I'll set aside one hour of my time to work on my venture, whether that be go through emails, brainstorm ideas, meet with your team, but everything in that one hour. That way you kind of make it a habit and you make it a routine. So every day when 6 p.m. hits, you know, okay, it's time to work on my venture that I'm looking forward and you can eventually build that up. And I think one of the biggest struggles that people face is when they say, oh, when I get time, I'll work on it or when I find time. And the thing is, everyone lives such busy and hectic lives, you won't find time. So unless you really designate time that is designated to work on it, you it's kind of really hard to find time.
0: I think that's great advice. And I really like the analogy that you gave, because I think also I think that's a lot of students struggle with is they're not able to see, you know, the bigger picture. And sometimes it's easy to get really overwhelmed by all the deadlines you have in a week. But that one week, all those tasks you're doing, they contribute to larger aspects of your life that are really going to help in the long run. And I'm sure this is something that you both can attest to for the fact that what you've done with Canadian Courage Project and sure has helped in other aspects of your life. And you've met so many amazing people and they've helped, you know, you with education or whatever it might be. So it might look like a lot of tasks that you might not want to do or that might seem very tedious, but at the end of the day, those things all come together to help give you the skills you need to also one day like start your own venture or you know, get more involved in school activities. Uh, another thing I want to ask you about is if you've have any tips for dealing with like burnout and with everything being virtual right now, a lot of students are feeling the zoom fatigue or even with social media and TikTok now, a lot of people are spending a lot more time looking at screens and less time away from their screens so do you have any tips on burnout or how do you deal deal with it when you're kind of feeling a day where you just don't really want to do anything
2: I cannot like explain burnout enough it's oh my god it's something I have been in cycles of like in the last year honestly I have a stage of burnout every five months and like I'm not trying to normalize it Burnout is a bad thing because it means that your body is at the point of exhaustion, which your body should never be at the point of exhaustion where you lack the ability to enjoy the tasks that you're doing on a daily basis. And like, there, like, according to research, there's like three dimensions of burnout. Number one, which is like an overwhelming exhaustion. Number two, which is the feeling of like cynicism and detachment from your job or, for, or from your tasks like school. And number three, which is a sense of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment. And I think burnout is something that it's particular to everyone. And I think this is where you should talk to your like healthcare provider about if you are experiencing burnout, but generally scheduling in self-care. That may sound ridiculous and it might sound like a little bit absurd that you have to schedule in self-care and I'm doing air quotations for anyone who can't see me, um, but like schedule in time for yourself, because it's just as important as the time that you allocate for social wellness or environmental wellness. And like, think about the eight facets of wellness and how important it is to really take care of your environment, take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. Like before you can start a venture, before you can start a business, you need to get really good at the daily mundane tasks. Like, the little daily tasks that, like, frustrate you now, such as, like, emails or cleaning your room or making your bed, get good at the basics before you can overload that task list. And it goes back to running the 5K. Try start, – start running a one-kilometer race before you try to strive for five. And that's why I think we all feel with burnout is, like, we are overloading ourselves to the point where we, like, can't cope. And so I think it's just really being real with yourself – and honestly, meditating.
0: <laughs> is that your favorite form of self care? Meditation?
2: Yes. I think I. Meditation, baking, and exercise.
0: Oh, those are such good ones. I love. Mm-hmm. I'm horrible at baking. My actual life goal is to be on. Uh, what's that show called? Oh, Nailed It. It's the Netflix show where they take bad bakers and they try and make Pinterest um, cakes because I'm horrible at baking, but I love it so much. But I completely agree. I'm so glad i asked this question because also while we shouldn't normalize burnout is something that we also need to recognize and if you're feeling it or you see someone else feeling it it's okay to take a break and it's okay to kind of recognize that you're not in a mental state to get the work done or to take on any other projects or initiatives or tasks and there are people there to support you and regardless of what stage of life you're at it's not going to be smooth sailing from the very beginning and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but I think taking care of yourself, especially as students, because for some reason we have this mentality that we don't actually matter. Like our bodies don't care. We can just not sleep, pull all nighters and we're still going to do really well in our, in our studies. Um, So I'm really glad I asked you that question. You're able to talk about
1: that. I think my biggest form of self-care is hanging out with my dog. So for myself, I'm sure many of you pet owners out there as well. If I have a bad day at school, I'm super stressed, anything like that, I just think a 10-minute cuddle session with the dogs changed my entire life. They they just have this aura to them. And I am so interested in the human and dog connection and dog and pet in general connection. And really seeing how their energy impacts yours is just a beautiful thing. So that's my kind of favorites self-care tip as well as just sitting down watching movie with my dogs as well um yeah what type of dog do you have or dogs i have two so i have my first one his name is teddy and he's a Pekingese. so he is Pekingese maltese mix and then my other one nala she is a complete mutt she was actually a rescue from um an indigenous reserve in northern alberta wow so she's a mix of yeah, uh, husky, collie, some German shepherd, maybe some coyote in the mix. Uh, she's just a big mutt, very cute. I am very
0: new to we're new pet owners in my household. We got a puppy nine months ago now. No, she's nine months. So we got her about six months ago. She's a cavaboo, so king cavalier mixed with a poodle, and I can definitely attest to the the energy and I feel like they also feed off your energy. So like when you're caught, co- or at least like our puppies, like. When you're like kind of sad and you just want to cuddle, she'll like come next to you and just like cuddle on the couch with you. But then like when you're ready to run around and you want to go on walks and everything like that, she's all there with you. So they're very good um, companion animals. So it's very interesting to also hear that you want to become a veterinarian and study more um, on that topic. We're coming to the end of the episode. So I want to ask you both one last question. You've given us some amazing advice throughout this episode. But if you had to leave listeners with one piece of advice that you wish you knew, When you started the Canadian Courage Project or that you've been given throughout your time as co-founders, what was that piece of advice?
2: I can, I have two pieces of advice. I kind of already mentioned the first one, but like in all honesty, surround yourself with women who would say your name in a room full of opportunities. So really think about the people around you are going to take you where you need to be if those people around you are not inspiring you, are not like fueling your fire when you like have accomplishments that you really are excited about or you want to share and you feel like, you know, you're not learning from the people around you, like that's when you kind of hit a breaking point to figure out like those people aren't going to take you to the next level because you can only run 5K a certain way forever. And so really understanding your social wellness is so important to you, especially if you are going to do something that's out of the norm. So for example, starting a nonprofit is outside of out my norm personally. And it is very. it was very difficult at the beginning, like even just talking to people I knew for my whole life, they were like you know, skeptical and like not supportive. And so I think that's where I had to reevaluate that. And I think my second piece of advo- advice is to, really take advice from people who are doing similar things to you or you admire. And I've said this previously, but like, if there is a prof that you like really want to be like and has written a book and like is cool, and you just like really want to know what got her to where she is, email her or send her a message on LinkedIn for a 15 minute informational interview and ask her to pick her brain about her life course and what she did to get to where she is, those are the people that are going to actually look out for you when, when it really matters and are going to mentor you in, in your stages of life.
1: My piece of advice is that you are going to hear the word no a thousand times. And especially in the nonprofit world, this is something we encountered countless times and Really, It's really important that you see this as another step along the way rather than a roadblock. And when you see that roadblock, not turning around, but being persistent and knowing that for the 10 no's that you get, there's going to be one yes. And that one yes is all that matters. And yeah, just really being persistent in that aspect. And I think that really goes off
0: what your sister said as well, because At the end of the day, the worst someone can say to you is no. So if you do reach out to someone on LinkedIn or you send a cold email or you cold call someone and they say, you know what, I don't have the time right now or, you know, I'm not interested in this or whatever, whatever, you're still in the same position you were, but you had a chance that someone was going to say yes. So it's something that we really promote here on the Business Casual is that the worst someone can say is no. So you just have to, the scariest part is making that first step and reaching out and Every single no you get is just one closer to a yes. So I think with that, I want to thank you so much again for being on the Business Casual podcast. You're both very wise beyond your years, and it was so great speaking with you today, learning more about the Canadian Courage Project, and hearing all of your insights and advice. So on behalf of the Business Casual, my sister, we want to thank you, and everyone will be able to follow you on all your social medias, as well as find the Canadian Courage Project on all of our socials as well as our link tree.
2: Stacy, you are wise beyond your years. <laughs>
1: Thanks, guys.